is good, Defenders, and welcome to episode 180 of Defenders of the Bank, the most LAFC podcast on earth, and you know my voice, it's the scarf, J.R. Liebert, and again, welcome to episode 180, an episode we are calling New Kit, New Coach, New Players, Same Goal. That's right, episode 180. Five years strong, and I am wearing my five years strong kit right now, recording in beautiful Lawndale, California, home of the scarf and new home to Nina, by the way, which is kind of interesting, just seven blocks away. More on that on another episode for sure. And for this episode, for episode 180, it's just me. It's going to be you, Defenders Nation, and me, the scarf, just kind of hanging out, talking about everything that's gone on over the last couple of weeks. My buddy Philly, of course, you know my partner in pod. He is taking a little break right now. He's got to focus on some Ontario Fury and MASL stuff. He is absolutely killing it over in MASL. You may have also seen him on 110 Football's new show, The Expansion Mansion, that talks all about MLS and everything else. I'll be joining that show and their new show, LAFC 360, throughout the course of the year. But Philly will be taking a small break, but don't worry, he will be back Also, want to wish a very happy birthday to Panda. If you follow us on social media, you likely saw a lot of the celebrating going down in Strong Beach, Long Beach, down there with Panda and Nina and Philly and Scarf. It was a wonderful time. But we have so, so much to talk about as I sit here in my new five-year strong kit with a crest right in the middle. Of course, above that is the Adidas logo. Below that is Flex. And I like the Art Deco. You know what? In person... I really, really liked it, and it fits really nice. I'm wearing a 2X is the scarf here. Hopefully, maybe, maybe by the end of the season, we'll be down to a 1X, but that'll that'll take a little bit of, uh, of doing. We'll see how that goes, but I like the new kit. Moreover, I'm going to really like seeing it on Saturday as LAFC opens their season. It'll be Colorado at the bank Everybody remembers how we ended our season last year, the 5-2 loss to Colorado in beautiful Commerce City, and there were some air quotes going on there over beautiful. But again, it is a very busy episode here, episode 180 of Defenders of the Bank. Of course, we'll start it out with a little bit of this day in LAFC history. We'll talk about LAFC's newest signings, news concerning a few of our former black and gold players. Of course, we're going to get an Edward Atuesta and Diego Rossi update and some other signings around the world of football. A quick rundown of our Academy's run in the Open Cup qualifying and some other Academy and youth player news. A few mentions of LAFC players and articles on MLSsoccer.com. That's MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com for those of you playing the home game. And if we've got time, a moment with Scarf, but we'll see if time permits. But first and foremost, it's the segment that I love because I like to do my homework and I like to do research. It's this day in LAFC history, and we're taking this for a full week from Valentine's Day to today when we are recording Monday, February 21st. It is about 11.25 at night here on Monday, February 21st. On the 14th, on Valentine's Day, happy birthday to Dio. We talked about this on our Instagram, one of my personal favorite players. Adama Diamande's birthday on the 14th. On the 15th in 2018, a move that will forever go down in LAFC history. 
LAFC announcing ESPN's Max Bredos as the lead broadcaster and head of content for LAFC. That was February 15th, 2018. Let's flash forward ahead to the 18th in 1994, the birth of one Jesus David Murillo. Happy birthday. We've got Adama Diamande. We've got Jesus Murillo. We've got even more coming up. How about also on the 18th, though, in 2018, LAFC playing just their third preseason game in team history. It was a 4-4 tie to Vancouver, but why do I highlight that one? It was a brace by Carlos Vela for his first goals in black and gold for LAFC. Also on the 18th in 2019 is when we acquired Pablo Cisniega in a transfer from Real Sociedad. On the 19th, happy birthday to our new boss, the mayor himself, Steve Chirundolo, born February 19th. And now let's flash forward to today, February 21st. Happy birthday, Franco Escobar. I mean, it's birthday after birthday of current people involved with LAFC. Moody, Steve Chirundolo, and now Franco Escobar. Also on the 21st in 2019, LAFC officially announces the signings of Adrian Perez, Lamar Batista, and longtime friend of the pod, Philip Ejimadu, as free agents. Of course, the Adrian Perez signing significant for the scarf, the Loyola Marymount University connection there between Adrian Perez and I, although he is much, much younger than I am. And a little bit of the Ontario Fury connection, as Adrian Perez, formerly a member of the Ontario Fury, where, of course, Philly is the voice, the play-by-play man for the Ontario Fury right now. On the 22nd, 2018, uh, LAFC signs Tristan Blackman to their first ever, to his first ever, excuse me, professional contract. Of course, the third overall pick drafted after Joao Moutinho and the Galaxy taking a pick of a player who is no longer even in the league. It was Tristan Blackman with the third pick. And he was our our best draft pick in team history. Definitely better than anybody we drafted this season because we didn't draft anyone in the Super Draft. And finally, on the 23rd, and something that I wanted to carry out our This Day in LAFC history, all the way to February 23rd, it's because on the 23rd in 2018, LAFC officially unveils their primary black and gold and road inaugural white kits. They were the first two uh, kits in LAFC history. And on the 23rd in 2019, it's the the concrete, the street-by-street, the road white and gray kit for season two, and I couldn't think of a more important way to end this day in LAFC history than the two kit reveals that we had for our first two seasons in existence. Of course, with our new kit dropping earlier this week, the five-year strong kit with the crest right in the center, the only team in Major League Soccer with that crest down the center, and that is this day in LAFC history. And again, thank you all for sticking with me here on episode 180. It is a solo scarf endeavor. So let's get right into news and notes. The main focus of episode 180, and there has been a ton since preseason began. Before we get to all the news and notes, a quick preseason schedule update. LAFC played their two preseason matches as part of the 2022 closed-door Coachella Valley Invitational on both Tuesday, February 15th against DC United and on Saturday, February 19th against the Red Bulls of New Jersey. 
Two very different matches indeed. In the first match, LAFC fell to DC United 2-0 behind a relatively quiet LAFC Twitter account, so we really don't have a whole lot of what went on in that first match. The highlight of the match appearing to be Carlos Vela's corner kick that the wind blew about 20 yards over the goal and out of bounds. It was pretty impressive there by Mother Nature. Carlos Vela got all of that kick, and Mother Nature took it in a completely different direction. It was a 2-0 loss for LAFC. No reason to blame the wind on that, because if the other team can score two goals, then we can score two goals in the wind, but didn't happen. We lost 2-0, so maybe a little bit of the doubt of the naysayers of the Steve Trundolo era kind of creeping in. Oh, 2-0, lost to D.C. United. Well, wait just a minute. The second match was without a doubt a much-needed breath of fresh air for this club. It was LAFC who had their wings in a 6-1 drubbing of the Red Bulls. A brace and an assist for Raito. Yes, that's right, Brian Rodriguez And I have to write another verse. I can't wait. It's going to be the next episode. You guys, it's going to be opening match episode featuring Brian's song. This is going to be a fun one for episode 181 in just a couple of days. And don't forget, check us out on Instagram and Twitter for one more sleep, which will be done Friday night before opening night. And I might not be able to sleep at all on Friday night. I'll be so excited as we do one more sleep. There were also goals by Carlos Vela, Mamadou Fall, and Mahala, Quadwa Opoku. They were more than enough to propel LAFC to the result. And I, I'm going to say it right here. This will be our first Scarf Stradamus prediction of Season 5. And by the way, these are sentiments echoed by Alicia Rodriguez of Angels on Parade. Watch out for Mahala this season. I am predicting at least five or six goals and what will be a bounce-back season for Quadwa Opoku. In May of last year, while on assignment for the Las Vegas Lights, Mahala unfortunately tore his meniscus and was lost for the remainder of the year. Now, before that, he had two starts and registered an assist with the big club, taking over Bradley Wright Phillips' minutes as a potent member of the attack. And if you need any reminding at all, all of who Mahala can be. Please go back to the Champions League where we played Cruz Azul in the 71st minute, an absolute banger of a goal and hopefully a harbinger of things to come this season with him scoring in the preseason. I think it just bodes so well for what he is going to be able to do in what will likely be limited minutes. Although you never know with the international schedules of players like Chicho, Chicho Arango and Brian Rodriguez, because it doesn't look like Carlos Vela is going to be returning to El Tree anytime soon. Quadwo Poku, Mahala might get some real minutes on the attacking front of this club, and I think it could be a lot of fun to watch. One other interesting note from our two preseason games, something that will definitely make you go, wait, what? In both of our matches, LAFC gave up a penalty kick goal in the ninth minute. That's right. DC United, a ninth-minute penalty kick goal to go up 1-0. New York Red Bulls, a ninth-minute penalty kick goal to go up one nothing and again something that'll certainly make you go wait what for sure let's talk about some moves that occurred in the last two weeks first and foremost on february 3rd 
LAFC made its first major front office hire in quite some time, and it is a big one. Marco Antonio Garces. Garces is a proven winner on all fronts. A proven winner on all fronts. Achieving success as a player for Cruz Azul and Pachuca, developing talent while occupying various front office positions within Pachuca, and as sporting director, driving Pachuca to CONCACAF glory in 2017 and a third place showing in the Club World Cup later that year. Counting his two wins as a player, he has won CONCACAF three times, and the Pachuca system is one of the most respected in all of CONCACAF. He he has worked for world heavyweights such as Liverpool, Manchester United, and Real Madrid. And after 11 years at Pachuca, he is joining LAFC. I think this can only be a great thing for LAFC. For all of you out there that want to call for Thorington out or whatever else it is that you want to do, depending on how this season starts, I think somebody having somebody like Marco Antonio Garces in the front office a little bit of balance of power, a little bit of a, a sounding board now for Thorington to kind of run things by or talk things through with, and a player and, and a front office man who has had success all the way around, like I mentioned. Marco Antonio Garces could be a huge hire for LAFC and our culture moving forward. In a move that those that follow MLS closely are absolutely loving for LAFC, Ryan Hollingshead joins LAFC from FC Dallas. And of course, unfortunately for a lot of you out there, we had to trade Marco Farfan to get him. Hollingshead, I got to tell you, as soon as I, I started researching into this guy, I am really excited to get a player of the caliber of Ryan Hollingshead on the club. He's got a rather unique story during his time in MLS. The former UCLA star was the second player drafted in the 2013 MLS Super Draft by FC Dallas. The first player who was drafted by FC Dallas in that Super Draft is a defender from Furman College by the name of Walker Zimmerman. You may have heard of him, and I hope it's... No, I think it's actually Furman University. Either way, for, uh, for all of those out there that are listening from Furman, we thank you for listening, and please correct me on Twitter if you need to. Is it Furman College? or Furman University. My first my first instinct was college, but now I think I'm wrong. Rather than joining FC Dallas straight away, Ryan Hollingshead opted to bypass the 2013 MLS season. That's right. The team that had just drafted him, he said, all right, we're going to put everything on hold for a year. He didn't go on his Mormon mission or anything like that, but he did help fulfill a promise to his brother Scott to help him build a church in Sacramento. It would take until 2015 where he became a regular starter with Dallas and in 2016, he helped FCD fill their trophy case with the 2016 Supporters Shield and the 2016 U.S. Open Cup. His career, however, took a little bit of a turn in 2017 as he was involved in an accident while providing roadside assistance to another motorist who had wrecked on the side of the road. He was actually out of his car helping, and he got hit. The accident left him with three fractures in his vertebrae, but he actually recovered enough that season to appear in 18 matches and earn the MLS Works Humanitarian of the Year Award 
after that season. That's right. The man, he came back from three broken bones in his back to play 18 matches that year. And in 2019, and this is where it really starts to get exciting. If you can see what he can do after some time, he led all of Major League Soccer defenders with six goals. And he also added on three assists, and he played six different positions on the year. Left back, right back, center back, left mid, right mid, and defensive mid. The guy can play everywhere. He is a veritable Swiss Army knife on that back line for LAFC. Over the course of his Dallas career, he appeared in 193 MLS regular season matches and 11 MLS Cup playoff matches, 19 goals, 15 assists from the defender's spot, and he also appeared in 12 Open Cup matches and six CONCACAF Champions League matches. This is a new Defender of the Bank, and we could not be more excited here at Defenders of the Bank for the Ryan Hollingshead era on the back line to begin. Look, here's another thing that I personally think here, and again, this is The Scarf, and thank you all for listening to the Solo Scarf Project here on episode 180. I think this is a great move for LAFC and one that I think fills another hole that we have needed to fill for the past two seasons, and it's not one that ever appears on a depth chart. He is an on-field leader. I think with the injury to Eddie Segura last year, with the Walker-Zimmerman trade, we just haven't had that leader type on the back line over the last couple of seasons. And Hollingshead was known as the leader in the locker room for FC Dallas. Just listen to the FCD backline talent that Ryan helped mentor over the past six seasons. You have Brian Reynolds, who is at AS Roma, who's on loan in Belgium right now. You have Reggie Cannon, who's at Boa Vista in Portugal. You have Chris Richards with Bayern Munich, who's on loan to Hoffenheim. And you have Justin Che, who's also with Hoffenheim. These are all younger defenders that Ryan Hollings had helped mentor while he was on the back line there. And of course, teaming with a defensive midfielder, Kellen Acosta, teaming with Walker Zimmerman on the back line for several seasons, and learning under the Honduran legend, Minor Figueroa, uh, look, there's so much to love about Ryan's, Ryan Hollingshead coming over to LAFC, but I think so much of it is actually going to appear off the pitch as well. We've had Simon, we've had Betashore, we've had Walker Zimmerman, we've had Eddie Segura as our backline leaders, and I think Segura may still grow into that role alongside of Hollingshead. But Hollingshead is a proven leader and someone who works well with younger talent and talent from all over. So this is going to be huge. And I think what this trade also shows me, and I would love to know what you guys think, Defenders Nation out there, please tell me what you think. What this trade shows me, as with pretty much all of the other moves this offseason, is that LAFC is shifting its strategy at least somewhat. And again, this is this is where I want to know what you guys think about this. It seems like LAFC is now looking for more solidly proven assets rather than potential. In past years, they have they might have taken some more chances on maybe a younger kid from South America or someone who they might have tried to bring up through the pipeline like a Bryce Duke or someone like that. Younger, less proven talent. But what we can see now, look at the club trading away a 23-year-old in Marco Farfan to bring in Ryan Hollingshead. Trading away 25-year-old Tristan Blackman, 20-year-old Bryce Duke, and 26-year-old Pablo Cisniega. I know 25 and 26 isn't all that young, but if you think about their experience that they had or didn't have coming into getting significant minutes at those positions, they're all young or young-ish players with solid potential, but they depart for veteran players at pretty much their exact positions who are proven 
commodities. For instance, Franco Escobar, he's 26, but Ilya Sanchez, 31, Kellen Acosta, 26, and of course, the biggest acquisition of them all, Maxime Cropo at 27. Even our depth pieces, like Ishmael Tajuri Shradi at 27 years old, John McCarthy at 29 years old, and a 30, I think 30, 31-year-old defender that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. They're older than who LAFC would normally have brought in over the past bunch of seasons. Please ignore the Kenneth Vermeer experiment. However, this is a shift in mindset for LAFC. I think this is huge. The fact is, we still have a ton of younger players with great potential on this roster. Let's not forget, Chiki Palacios is only 22 years old. Brian Rodriguez doesn't turn 22 until late May. Pancho Ginella just turned 23. Mahala Opoku will finally be able to buy a drink turning 21 this season. And Mamadou Fall doesn't turn 20. 20 until the end of 2022. So I think it's safe to say that between Chiki, Raito, Pancho, Mahala, and Mbake, we have five players on our roster well under the age of 24 that are going to be very, very big factors coming into what hopefully will be a cup run this season. But adding just a few more veteran pieces over younger pieces could be just the right mix to propel LAFC to their first MLS Cup in 2022. LAFC also makes a trade with Montreal, acquiring an international roster slot in exchange for 200000 in GAM and LAFC's third-round pick in the 2024 MLS Super Draft. And of course, soon after that trade, in another move where LAFC brings in proven talent, LAFC signs Daniel Henry as a depth piece on our back line. If you don't know who Henry is, he came up with Toronto in 2010, playing with them through 2014 before bouncing around at West Ham and Blackburn. I don't want to make it seem like he was a hammer for all that long. He played in one game and spent enough time, I guess, to call a cup of coffee, or I guess over there it's a cup of tea, with the Blackburn Rovers. But he found regular minutes back again with MLS with Vancouver in 2018 and 2019 and spent the last two seasons with the Suwon Samsung Blue Wings in South Korea. And look, you guys know, it's the scarf. I'm a middle school teacher. I love to do my homework, so I found a fun one. Daniel Henry faced off with Kim Moon-Hwan's Busan I-Park Club twice during his time in South Korea. Both players started both games, and both games ended in a 0-0 draw. That's right. Uh, We have Kim Moon-Hwan and Daniel Henry playing each other, and neither team scoring a goal in either game. 0-0 draws. Daniel Henry has also capped 42 times for Team Canada, including starting their most recent win 2-0 over El Salvador while picking up his 10th national team yellow card. I think this is another great depth piece, again, along the lines of the Ismail Tajuri Shradi pickup and along the lines of possibly the Ilya Sanchez pickup, if it's going to be Latif Blessing in the starting role, or if it's going to be Kellen Acosta, Jose Cifuentes, Pancho Ginella. We got a lot of options there in the midfield, and I think depth is where LAFC has really become formidable as it relates to any other squad out there in Major League Soccer. LAFC also finalized their coaching staff for 2022. And of course, you know, the departure of Bob Bradley means the departure of a lot of the other faces that we're used to seeing along the sideline over the first four seasons. Mike Sorber left to join Bob in Toronto. Kenny Arena left for an assistant role at the dumpster fire that is FC Cincinnati. And I I don't know what happened to Zach Abdel, our former goalkeeper coach. He's just kind of been let go, it looks like. No word on his next job. So with all of them out, who is in 
for 2022 along the sidelines with a lone coach to stay from the Bradley era, of course, is MLS legend Ante Razov. He's ready to begin his fifth season on the sidelines for LAFC. The first new face is not really all that new at all, to be perfectly honest. Mark Dos Santos. Mark left LAFC at the end of our inaugural season in 2018. He has since come back to the bank. He won just 22 of the 81 matches he coached across all competitions and was let go midway through the 2021 campaign. Our new goalkeeping coach is an Eintracht Frankfurt legend, Oka Nikolov. He suited up over 400 times for Eintracht Frankfurt in net, recording 115 clean sheets. And he also made several caps for his home country of North Macedonia, where Danny Musovsky also has citizenship. Nikolov has coached on multiple levels since retiring from playing. He's been Germany's under-19 goalkeeping coach. He's been Macedonia's goalkeeping coach. He's held various positions within the Philadelphia Union and unfortunately with Carson for a little bit. And most recently, he was an assistant at DC United. He's worked with Andre Blake and Bill Hamid, two of the best keepers in MLS. And now he will have the chance to coach our newest keeper and a player who I think we all agree out there in the black and gold universe. Maxime Cropot will be our best keeper in team history if he just continues to play the way he's been playing for the last couple of seasons. A couple of quick injury updates from Coach Chirundolo at training on the injury front with Eddie Segura. He's likely still a few weeks away from returning to training fully from his knee injury he sustained last year, but I can tell you from talking with Eddie myself, he is in really good spirits and dying to get back there on the pitch. And apparently Ishmael Tajuri Shradi had a preseason procedure. That's the only uh, medical information that we can come across, and it's prevented him from training thus far. No word on when Ishmael Tajuri Shradi will be, I don't want to say back amongst the fold, but he'll he'll join the fold for the first time here for LAFC. And of course, LAFC also welcomed back Kellen Acosta, Maxime Cropochi, Chiqui Palacios, and Jose C. Fuentes from their training stints with, our, with their respective national teams. Let's talk about a little bit of news about some former players. And and look, I, I, I don't know how you all felt coming into this match, but who in the black and gold nation wasn't pulling for Palmeiras in the Club World Cup final against Chelsea, especially after the 78th minute when our former midfielder and a player who I think we are going to miss more and more as we watch him develop on the world stage for Palmeiras, Edward Atuesta coming into the match in the 78th minute. While Palmeiras would fall 2-1, Edward has already made quite the impact in his limited time with the Brazilian Giants. They have five wins and a draw in their six league matches since bringing him into the fold, and Edward has started and played the full 90 in three of their last four. In fact, Palmeiras has only surrendered one goal in those six league matches. I am so excited to see what happens with Edward Atuesta at Palmeiras. And I hope, obviously, it leads to even bigger and better things for the superstar. I wish nothing but, and we wish nothing but here at Defenders of the Bank, the absolute best for Edward Atuesta. The other player that we've been keeping an eye on, of course, overseas, no, not Shaft Brewer, 
the Diego Rossi LAFC chapter may finally be closed as word out of Turkey has Fenerbahce signing Rossi to some sort of four-year deal. I think a little bit might be lost in translation here between the website that's reporting the deal, which actually I guess is a relatively reputable website um, in Turkey. It appears that at the very least, the Turkish club is going to have Rossi there for the entirety of the 2022 calendar year, if not also a team option, or it might be a player option over the next three years. We're not quite sure, but it was announced on one location as a four-year deal, and it was announced as another location as through the 2022 season with an option for the next three years. So uh, I don't know. I think, again, something may be lost in translation from the Turkish websites coming over to English. I did not throw it in Google Translate because nothing will ever be right if you throw it in Google Translate. That's what I tell all my Latin students, too, that I teach. But either way, in 27 appearances with Fenerbahce, Rossi has registered two goals and five assists on the year. Fenerbahce doing reasonably well. I think they're fifth or sixth in the table. Look, there's one club in Turkey right now, Trabzonspor, which is absolutely running away with the Turkish Super League. I think they're 14 points clear of number two. But Fenerbahce could really do some damage if they can pull it together over the last, uh, I think it's like 10 games or so. They are only six points behind the number two club in the Turkish Super League. And of course, you can finish top two. You get to do a little bit more as it relates to Europa League and Champions League and qualifying and all kinds of other stuff. So hoping that Fenerbahce goes on a little bit of a run again. They are just six points clear or six points behind the second spot in the Turkish Super League. So hoping things go well for Diego Rossi. I'll be watching Fenerbahce through the rest of their 2022 campaign. A move that was a little sad, a move that kind of broke my heart, but I totally saw it coming, and I, I think we all did here in Black and Gold Nation. Lee Wynn has retired as a player. One of the absolute, and I don't know if I'm creating a word right now, swaggiest? Is that is that a word? Swaggiest? My middle schoolers would probably make fun of me for using that word. I'll ask them tomorrow when I, uh, when I head into school. One of the absolute swaggiest players to ever grace Major League Soccer, Lee retires after a stellar MLS career that saw him win MLS Cup with New England in 2014, Supporters Shield with LAFC in 2019, and even make nine caps for the U.S. men's national team. On the pitch, as soon as he got on the pitch, he was a threat. Whether it was on or off the ball, 50 goals and 50 assists at least for each category in his Major League Soccer career. And off the pitch, I mean, Lee's style, his charisma, it set him apart as an absolute one-of-a-kind. In 57 appearances with the black and gold, he registered four goals and 11 assists. Who can forget the uh, guess ad campaign? for It's it's why LAFC has those jean jackets and sunglasses that are still on sale, because they came when Lee Wynn started with the club. And, and that just tells you so much about who Lee Wynn was, just as an individual off the pitch. He rejoins the Washington spirit of the NWSL, last year's champions, who really seemed to receive a spark when Lee joined them late in the year as an assistant coach. And of course, we here at Defenders of the Bank absolutely love Lee Wynn, and we wish him all the best in this newest chapter of his career. 
Two players that we definitely wish the best for unless they are playing us have rejoined the Colorado Rapids. Stephen Betashore and Mark Anthony K both inking deals with Colorado. Mark Anthony K agreeing to an extension that runs through 2025 with an option for 2026. Of course, traded by LAFC to Colorado midseason last year. K scored the game-winning goal versus Real Salt Lake in August on the way to helping the Rapids to their first Western Conference crown. And it's beta time again in Commerce City as he signs a one-year deal with an option for 2023. He started the last three matches of the 2021 regular season for Western Conference champ Colorado, including playing the full 90 and, of course, registering his only assist of the year on a beautiful pass in our 5-2 loss to close the campaign. Peter Lee Vassell. Anybody remember Peter Lee Vassell? Yeah, I know that's a name you thought you'd be hearing on Defenders episode 180. He signs with USL Championship side Hartford Athletic for 2022. The Jamaican played for fellow USL Championship side Indy 11 in 2021 and recently registered his 20th cap for the Reggae Boys, Jamaica's national team. And of course, Jamal Blackman was a player that you were all wondering about in the offseason. What happened to the six foot seven Jamal Blackman? He signs as a backup keeper with English championship side Huddersfield Town. And I'm sorry, that's just a fun name to say, Huddersfield Town. He has played in one match this season for Huddersfield. It was a 1-0 win over Barnsley in the fourth round of the FA Cup, so a clean sheet in his first and only appearance so far for Huddersfield Town for Jamal Blackman. And I just love being able to say Huddersfield Town. That, of course, is going to wrap up the news about our former players But I do want to take a quick second to highlight some possible future players that we may see in black and gold. The LAFC Academy U19s put on an amazing run in the UPSL's qualifying tournament for the U.S. Open Cup. LAFC won their region, the Western region, to earn a spot in the national semifinals against 40360 Pro out of Texas. And a hat trick by Marvin Gomez puts LAFC up 3-2 heading into stoppage time. But a 92nd minute stunner leveled the match. And LAFC, the run would be over. They would fall on a 117th minute goal by 40360 Pro. And just like that, that was it. The run was over. They still had something to play for in the third place game against a team called Kalanji Pro Profile out of Georgia. But unfortunately, more rough luck for the LAFC Academy kids. They'd be level at one heading into PKs, but it was Kalanji that would emerge the victors, winning the shootout 5-3. The only, I guess, silver lining of it all is that the team that they lost to, 40360 Pro, wound up winning the whole thing and I believe qualifying for the U.S. Open Cup. So congrats. But man, the future looks incredibly bright between Marvin Gomez and Nathan Ordos. I think we have two very special players up top, players who we could see sign a homegrown contract sometime soon with the big club with LAFC. And finally, on the youth player front, I want to recognize several LAFC boys and girls who were recently called in to national camps for the U.S. women's under-17s defender Savannah King of LAFC SoCal Youth and for the U.S. women's under-15s goalkeeper Morgan Farnham 
and midfielder Adrel Salvador were called in to their respective women's national team camps. And for the boys, for the U-17s, defender Christian Diaz, and for the U-15s, Goalkeeper Dylan Afret, defenders Dennis Ramirez and Joshua Santiago, midfielders James Arteaga and Kyrom Lumsden, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that one right, and forward Charlie Rosenthal. I mean, listen to all those names being called in throughout the academies, different levels that they have to national team camps in the United States. I mean, that's pretty cool coming from the academy that was created just, what, five, six years ago to already have the presence that they do on the national team camps. It's pretty incredible. A couple of articles, again, on Major League Soccer, soccer.com, MLSsoccer.com, that I want to point your attention to. And if you're not checking in regularly with the news on MLSsoccer.com, you might want to do that. There are some pretty good writers there on MLSsoccer.com, and, and they've got some really good things to say about LAFC heading into the season. Both Chicho, Chicho Arango, and Carlos Vela were mentioned in Greg Seltzer's newest article on MLSsoccer.com about the top 10 candidates for the Golden Boot in 2022, with the first name being mentioned, who the top candidate is, is Chicho Arango, the first name on the list of favorites. I think what we saw from Chicho in limited minutes absolutely proves that he could be the favorite for the Golden Boot leading into this season. Mamadou Fall was on the mind of MLS's Joseph Lowry as he named him one of five under-the-radar players to watch for in 2022. The only disagreement I have with that is if you've ever seen Mamadou jump into the air, he is going to be over the radar, not under the radar, as he enters the season. But I agree that he is an unsung, talented hero for that back line. We'll, We'll see what kind of minutes Mamadou Fall gets. We'll have to talk about that with Philly next time he's back on the podcast. Finally, of the seven new coaches to take the helm of MLS clubs this year, that same Greg Seltzer, who says that Chicho Arango and Carlos Vela are favorites for the Golden Boot, says it's none other than Steve Chirundolo, who has the best chance of taking his club to greater successes in 2022, one spot higher on that list of seven at number one than Toronto's new boss at number two. No pressure there, Steve, but there you go. You know, before we sign off here, and this is a relatively quick but fun episode here, we've got our wait what moment. I do miss my boy Philly, and I want to take a quick moment here with the scarf just to say how much I appreciate all the hard work that Philly is putting in on the MASL side of things as the voice of the Ontario Fury. MASL has certainly taken notice. He's been on a lot of uh, some of their national media that they put out too. And I know he and uh, co-host Jonathan Reimer, if you guys uh, don't know Jonathan Reimer, he's from shoulder to shoulder. Jonathan Reimer does the color commentary along with Philly doing the play-by-play for the Ontario Fury. Uh, MASL, indoor soccer, I don't know that I've seen somebody more passionate about something than Philly is about the indoor game. And I know he's working really, really hard on it and really wants to do some cool things. The podcast that he and Panda run is called Striking Fury. It's all about the Ontario Fury and all of the goings on in MASL. I just want to take a second. I know he's he's going to be taking a little break from Defenders for the next little bit. I'm hoping to have him back on 
for the opening match podcast, the game breakdown, and, and we'll talk about everything that we see on opening night, and I certainly can't wait. I'm excited to see who the honorary Falconer is going to be. Just so many cool things to, to, to anticipate in our first match of 2022 in our fifth year. But I just want to take a minute to say thank you to Philly. I know he works incredibly hard, and he also manages a lot of the social media. I have since taken over Twitter, but I mean, Philly is, is much more active on Instagram and even on Facebook and things like that than I am. I, you know, unfortunately my work schedule doesn't allow me to be around social media nearly as much. And especially when I'm logged onto the Wi-Fi at my school, can't even access Facebook and Instagram and all those things on our school computer. So I, I do appreciate all the hard work that Philly uh, is putting in on those ends of things. All right, let's talk real quick. You guys have no doubt seen the new kits for 2022 the new jerseys for all the different teams i want to know your thoughts hit us up at defenders of the bank on instagram and facebook and at defend the bank on twitter let us know which kits you think are the best kits this season which kits you think are the worst kits this season i've got a couple i don't know how to feel first of all about montreal's new white kit I kind of think that the blue lines look like varicose veins, but somebody else says it kind of looks like marble countertop. I don't know. I think I can be swayed either way. A couple of things that you will not sway me on. Number one, that NYCFC lightning bolt kit, whatever they're calling it, is an abomination. It is an affront on humanity. It is god-awful. And I think it will go down as one of the five worst kits in the history of Major League Soccer, or at least through our first 30 years or so. It is not just awful, it is bad and terrible and should never see the light of day. That is my personal thought. And it'll be interesting to see if NYCFC decides to wear those kits at the match at Bank of California Stadium in just a couple of days. I mean... We got Champions League action at Bank of California Stadium, you guys, and it doesn't involve LAFC. How crazy is the COVID times if something like that is happening? It is unreal. But those those jerseys are awful. I really don't like, personally, at all, I do not like what Seattle Sounders have done with the blue going up the middle of their kit like that. I mean, Rave Green is their staple. I think it looks pretty bad for what they've done. I think that there are several other beautiful kits out there. I don't know how you guys all feel about it. But I like the idea, and I'm probably going to catch some flack on this. I like the idea of the Portland kit. I like the idea of that Rose City kit. Now, now don't get me wrong. It, it doesn't look great because of them putting the rose right around the collar the way that they did. I don't think that was very smart at all. But I I like the idea. I like the concept behind it. I kind of like Austin FC's minty, chocolatey, chippy looking kit there. I think it looks pretty good. I do not at all like Atlanta United's forest kit. I don't think that one's very good. Someone find me differences in the Columbus new kit and the Nashville new kit. I don't think they exist. I kind of love Houston's new kit. It kind of looks like black velvet. It, it, it looks pretty cool. It's really clean. Someone tell me why Minnesota United came out with the All-Star Game kit that we came out with last year for this year's new kit for them. It really does just look like the All-Star Game kit. I think Red Bulls are clean. I think the Orlando uh, Orlando City SC kit is pretty god-awful. 
And, and then you have just a bunch of uninspired ones. Oh, actually, Toronto. Toronto's is bad. I don't like the, the half gray, half white. I'm digging Vancouver's, you guys. I'm digging Vancouver's. So I, I want to hear your thoughts on the new kits, the, the pearl necklace dog collar kit down in Carson. That's an interesting one. I, I'm not a fan. I, I never thought I'd miss the Herbalife sash, but I kind of miss the sash going down the middle of that jersey. It just says it, it accentuates Herbalife a little bit too much for me, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of pyramid schemes. So uh, that's, that's my take on it. I, I think that several of these jerseys look plain and uninspired, but I would wear some of them if I were supporters of that club. I think that Chicago Fire, FC Cincinnati, I think that Colorado and D.C. and Real Salt Lake and New England Revolution, I thought they were going to do a little bit more with their with their new kit or their new crest, I should say. They're all clean jerseys that I just mentioned. I, I would wear them all, sure. Uh, it doesn't do anything for me. And Columbus, that's not gold. It's yellow. Stop calling it gold. I know it's the gold standard kit, but that doesn't mean there's gold on it. So those are my thoughts on the new kits. I would love to hear what you guys have to think. I'm so excited for the new season, you guys. I am so excited for the new season. It's just five or six days away, depending on when you're listening to this. Join us for one more sleep before each and every match. If you're just tuning into us for the first time here on episode 180 of Defenders of the Bank, the most LAFC podcast on earth, I promise it is not normally a solo scarf endeavor, but it was a fun one to be able to bring episode 180 to you all. Look, there's going to be a lot to talk about after the match. And I'll see you guys on Friday night for one more sleep. And you guys know how we like to end all our podcasts. Bye-bye.